After 10.55 at 98.7 KISS, WRKS-FM, New York City's number one radio station. I'm Yvonne Mobley, along with Chuck Chillout, with three and a half hours of commercial-free music and the next 30 minutes, absolutely no talk on KISS. It's DJ Chuck Chillout, and I'm live. You're And there it is. Ugh. That's the opening. Hey, everybody. I'm Howard Kramer. I'm here with Jensen Carr. Hello, everyone. And today we're going to discuss this uh, hip-hop cassette tape. That's right. We're back. We're back. <laughs> we waited quite some time for your second tape. We did. Five years, Five apparently. Years. Explain to me where this tape came from in the artifacts of Kramerville. Okay, so it's just me uh, taping these uh, Rap Attack uh uh, programs on Friday and Saturday night because New York radio at the time and at, really only New York radio was playing hip hop at the time, right? And you had like you know you you hear it in Biggie songs where he talks about you know tape decks and stuff. You would have to to tape these in order to even have them. They they weren't being released on vinyl yet, even really, right? Yeah, so it was real hard to find the stuff. You would have to go into record stores like in the in yeah. the boroughs that I didn't know about. Yeah, because they were delivering them themselves. It wasn't like yeah. there was a distribution or anything. Like these rappers would walk in, sell a couple vinyl or whatever and then you'd have to hope to get it right they or just tape it off the radio exactly yeah. and the other thing too was they didn't play hip-hop during the day they didn't play it during the week yeah so it was only three and a half hours on friday three and a half saturday so if you wanted to hear any of this stuff during the week which yeah. i did have to tape it on cassette and then just listen to it on your walkman you know as you're going about your business and compared to the last tape so when we listened to it five years ago this is a different tape did you also hand write the track listing so you knew what was on it because that yeah. was the most adorable part of the last tape. Oh, really? Yeah. It's yeah. the best. Well, it was because like some songs I like better than others. I just wanted to know what was on the tapes. <laughs> and yeah. how did you know... Every time. Did the DJ always announce the song? Because I don't think that the answer is yes. Oh, no. Like, a lot of the descriptions I have on there are yeah. just based on, like, the sample that they It's, like, not even the correct name of the <laughs> right, song sometimes. Right. Or sometimes it'll just say, like, Rakim, and it doesn't say that it's, yeah. like, it's no what joke the title or something. Is. Yeah. yeah. But um, it was exciting to hear uh, those, the, the two two samples that we heard so far. But the first one was Yvonne Mobley. Who was, I guess, I would assume, because I had never heard of Yvonne, but I would assume that's a radio DJ that just worked at the station all the time, and then they just put her on the hip-hop station. Exactly. Right? Like she's someone you might hear doing the news <laughs> yeah, or the yeah. weather. Like, They're like, can you stick around for another hour? We have hip-hop coming up. And she's yeah. like, oh, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> but that's what, what uh, this tape kind of illustrates so well, too, is that the, the mindset of the industry was not hip-hop. No. And the, and the mindset of these people and the, and the sound, just the sonic landscape at the time didn't sound like hip-hop. It was this like a gimmick. Was, it was a gimmick hour. Yeah. Or a gimmick two hours. And Chuck Chillout, who was the second clip, I mean, everyone knew him. I mean, he, he was right. a hip-hop DJ, but I, I, but you like in LA especially, we used to like multi-purpose DJs. So like our morning guy for Power 106, which would be your Hot 97 in New York, was right. Jay Thomas from like Mr. Holland's Opus. Like, oh God, he was, well, that's the LA thing. Well, it's that's just, an LA thing. It's yeah, like, yeah. like oh, they can fit into. He does well in format, so let's put him at the hip hop station, and right. he did really well here. Um, but like you know, even in the '80s, like we were just using radio voices. Like it, they didn't have to be hip hop knowledgeable because they didn't think it was going to stick around. Right. It was yeah. just like talking about any other record or yeah, something. Yeah, and then we'd end up with the Baker Boys and Big Boy, and we'd end up with you know, uh, Felly Fell and and personalities for the next twenty five years that solely do hip hop. Right. Yeah. And and that that was the end of that sort of era. Those 
guys. We're like a white guy from Michigan is like, you're about to hear EPMD, Eric and Parrish making dollars. <laughs> like, oh God. Big money, everybody. About to kick the crossover. There is actually a guy, uh, he's not white, but he's he's DJ Ralph McDaniels. So oh, he's, yes. He's the other sort he's, of just... I, still a name that pops up all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this this is the time of the uh, the bridge wars, which was you know uh, Shan Shan and uh, the Juice Crew versus BDP. Yeah, KRS, KRS. Yeah, and um, I don't I don't play I, the songs I chose to play are sort of like not the biggest songs of the era, but they're songs that I thought maybe nobody else will ever hear them if we don't put them on this tape. Because... And that's a weird thing about your collection is that it's true that it's it's a it's a capsule in a sense that some of these songs you cannot get anymore. Yes. they're not like even. Yesterday, I, I've uh, for for the show that I'm working on now, um, Method Man is our host, and so, um, it's so insane cool. to me. Like every day, I just pick <laughs> his brain, and I'm like, "Tell me about Biggie." Um, and so we talked about his song with Shaquille O'Neal recently called "No Hooks." There's no hooks, I remember I, that, which I love. And, and the video yeah, they had the chains, so, so good. Data yeah. zone, come and man, man, terror dome. And, I, and so I do it at him every once in a while just to make him annoyed by right. the white kid in glasses. Uh-huh. And he he was like, "Oh man, that song." And so I, I, we talked about it and talked about the history of recording it and Shaq in general. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then when I went home, I was like, I got to download it because I just, I don't know where it is on my computer. And, and then I realized it's not on iTunes. That you can't, it's out of public. It's like, it's no more in distribution. Wow. So like I can Wait, find it. I wonder on, why. I don't know. I can find it on YouTube, I'm sure. I can do a lot of things to get it. But then like, if you go back 20 years from No Hooks. You can't get anything. Like, you can't, like, some of these are not on YouTube. Some of these are nowhere. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. And then so many of the songs that I had on tapes back then, I could never identify them and go buy them the whole no. song. And it was just impossible. Yeah, I think I saw one on the last tape that was just like a name, and then it was like Song with Bells or something. It's Probably. like you just described it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I got to check back. You know, I'm thinking maybe it's like to release this whole thing, uh, uh, you know, just so that everybody could hear everything that's on it. Yeah. I mean, there's some really early versions of Cutting and Scratch in that it you know if you heard a kid doing it now you'd go hey you know keep, yeah keep practicing but <laughs> then it was they were inventing new moves and, and weirdly know? in the last five years from when we did the first tape to now things like netflix releasing the get down or their history of hip-hop series oh, yeah. or things like that those are the breaks those are the things we talked about on the first episode from being um you know in the parks and using the lamps and they didn't they couldn't afford instruments so they made their own instrument and and that's what you hear on a lot of these tapes because the, the cutting is terrible it's yeah it's, it's clear before dj shadow right <laughs> like, but there's a, they can't go to guitar center and no. pick up mixers there's no Serato in, that, in <laughs> no, the early 80s. Not at all. No. So why don't we get into it? Um, one of the first rap beefs ever. Yeah. yeah oh, God. One. Yeah, that was an exciting thing, too, about these tapes, because the idea of musicians going after each other on brand new records, yeah. and then you're going to tune in every week to hear how the beef got updated. Yeah. It, it was just so exciting. And it's they would so drop different. it off. Like, KRS would finish it and then bring it to the station. They'd be like, we're about to g- bring it to, to the Shan and the Juice Crew. You know, like, <laughs> it was it was just a, it was a, I still listen to a lot of the, I mean, clearly the bridge or the symphony or, mm-hmm. um, I you know, I, I like um, Big Mama, the Roxanne Chante record. Mm-hmm. Like, as a guy who writes battle raps every single day now, um, this was a great one. And a lot of good stuff came out. Bismarck, he was part of this. I mean, there's, oh God, there's a, a bunch of weird people who got sort of shrapneled into this battle. Yeah. And then hearing the the breaks that they rapped over at the time, too, because some of them came out of classic rock, which yeah. I'd grown up with. So it's just so cool to hear how they all juxtapose. So why don't we go to the first track, and then um, I'll tell you about it after after we listen. Crazy, 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 crazy
Okay, so that was MC Shan. Yeah, Shan. Uh, from the bridges over, but that was a song, Jane, Stop This Crazy Thing. So where do you think he got the Jetson sample? Do you think he got it off a kid's storytelling album? Yes. Most or, likely, right? Or, yeah, plugged it into the back of the TV and but put then the he, VCR But up. then he scratched it, so you couldn't do that in the 80s. Oh, good. Yeah, he's got to get it he on the- He got uh, it on a kid's record. Right? Yes. But, I, I, yeah, I'm the only reason I'm reluctant is because I just don't remember there being Jetsons kids Me records. Me neither, but, there but I'm trying to play it be. out. Because if he records it off the television in the early 80s, there's no way he can scratch it. But he could press. they could press it into vinyl. Maybe, but Maybe. man, if they did. Yeah, that's probably too hard. That's, Good call. Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah. I, but, also, I also wanted to note how much I love 80s storyteller voice. Oh, yeah. So it's like right around the block that I came to the baseball. Yeah, yeah. You know what it is. It's just like this, like, and everyone was doing it. And obviously there were guys who perfected it from Slick Rick to, to Will Smith to Fresh Prince. Right. There were just guys who told really good, like, it's just, it's almost a cadence of, of hills and valleys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Up and down. And these guys, this was the new school compared to like the old school Akumo D. So these guys were kind of making it more modern, that, yeah. that type of voice. And this one too is a song about, um, you know, a girl who's starting to smoke crack yeah and that's another thing about this time there was these songs started to pop up yeah and this predated i guess uh what's the nwa one uh you know uh she gets hooked on crack strawberry strawberry oh yeah yeah this is before that yeah this is before that that. so this is one of the first ones that i can remember hearing where it's the middle of the crack epidemic epidemic and it is it is weird politically looking back how on top of it hip-hop was at the time from the message mm-hmm. and um certain songs where it was just like don't you know and uh, you know i always go back to the nwa song where uh, where dre says he doesn't smoke weed uh you know it's like they were they were doing the they were doing the say no to drugs thing most yeah. hip-hop well i think and then it, was, it turned well it's probably like part of that whole positivity thing thing you yeah. know that was like a movement in the 80s too so and that was, reagan was flooding their areas with crack i mean that was something yeah. you heard every once in a so while it was like just say no was actually an empowering yeah. thing it wasn't like a square kind of thing. and i think they knew it could get them on the radio yeah which i know is like a, a, a weird stat on it but i think that they knew like the message especially because i think he was um i think he was doing drugs <laughs> what i've heard now <laughs> really? is that, yeah is that like him and the white line saw like both of them were on on coke so they're so they're very conflicted and yeah well, i mean from. that's hip-hop till today i mean kanye yeah. being the most conflicted version of that but Oof. but like you know i think uh looking back it is you know uh krs has always said that that hip-hop is cnn for the streets which has become you know a quote overused but right but they really were back then like they really were talking about people getting addicted to crack and stories you didn't hear in rolling stones albums or yeah. acdc records. And especially you weren't hearing them from the people in the neighborhoods where it was going on no. you know you just hear it sort of on the news as a little blurb yeah even easy who was a well-known uh drug dealer most of his records didn't just you know they didn't justify drugs at all or, or glorify anything that he was doing it was it was pretty anti Mm-hmm. Yeah, dope man, dope man's not. I don't know if it's. I wouldn't say that's a, that's an anthem. Yeah, that's like I'm gonna kill you because yeah. <laughs> you sold my sister crack. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, also just props to MC Shan. I've always loved his voice, the tone of his voice. You always know it's yeah. Shan. Still doing it. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Still going out and and doing shows. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I don't know if new music, but he's still around. All right. All right. Let's go on to the next track, and uh, we'll listen, and then we'll talk. Yep. As there's a time and place for everything is under the sun 
That was Stetsasonic. So good. Uh, that was Daddy O, and uh, of course, one of my favorite rapper names after that, yeah. Fruit Quan. Fruit Quan, who ended up being in my favorite rap group of all time. Where did he go after that? Fruit Quan went to the Grave Diggers. Oh, God, I'm he sorry was, about that. No, he, sorry, he, he, sorry he was no. a member I was of the Grave Diggers. Grave Diggers, but he didn't go by Fruit Quan. Well, uh, no, but he, uh, sort of, Quan or whatever, but then they, they all got names, Resurrecta, uh, yeah. they, all, they all took on Grave Diggers alias. I was way into that, too. Oh, that the greatest. Exciting. Yeah, no, the greatest ra- rap album of all time to me. And Fruit Quan was in it, yeah. That was 90s when that came out, right? Around the same time as, as 36 Chambers, yeah. Uh, yeah. RZA put that out. He, he produced that record with Prince Paul. Um, and the, the joke, East Coast was back. Yeah, and the reference of the Gravediggers was that he was, you know, Fruquan was in Stasasonic and uh, RZA had failed with the Jizza record, the Genius, the first, the Pass the Bone record. Um, and everyone in the group had tr- had deals other places and it didn't work for them and so they were considered dead in the industry so the concept oh. was let's play back oh. from the dead rappers and that's why even it's like who killed tommy's boy that you know and, and they were referencing that they were dead and it was horrorcore and it was it, for people who don't know it's an album called six feet deep and it's a concept album about guys uh it's like well listening to a horror movie it's but, a hor- yeah yeah it's, but it was a rap. new uh, genre of completely rap. new yeah and and uh it was very cool. And also, if you liked heavy metal, it kind of spoke to you a little more, too. Yeah, they used guitars yeah. and stuff. And so I just was like so into it as a kid because it was so postmodern. And um, and it was and later I would find out that the concept was based in them feeling dead in, in their industry and dead wow. in their art it, form. You yeah. are such a historian because I, I was terrifying. just like, oh, the, the scary stuff is cool. And yeah. so this, this album is just scary. Yeah, and that was, had a reason and a yeah. beautiful reason. P- well, Prince Paul felt he failed after De La's second record, De La Soul's Dead. And so when him and RZA worked together to make uh, Six Feet Deep, it was purely from a, a hole in their heart. That's wild. Yeah, it's incredible. Because I remember uh, De La Soul's Dead thinking it was fantastic. Me too, but I think it didn't... I mean, they, yeah, me, myself, and I, yeah. It was like coming off three feet high. I, I just think it was considered a failure. Yeah, they couldn't live up to that. I remember seeing uh, Potholes in My Lawn oh. 12-inch at a record store in Times Square. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just all 12 inches yeah. on the wall. It's before the album came out. And I was just like, what is this stuff? Is right before Would you the buy Daisy stuff age. just based off art? I would. I didn't buy any vinyl. I had no money and I had no turntables. Yeah. So I would just tape this why these tapes this exist. Where it was. This is the, little, <laughs> the Kramer Gold. I, I would buy 12 inch based on art. So, like, I remember buying Protect Your Neck and Method Man, which was on the same 12 inch mm-hmm. before. I, I knew they had a picture in the source and I knew that there was a sticker in the source. And when you have a sticker in the source magazine, that was like. You were moving on, like mm-hmm. that was that was Pudgy the Fat Bastard had one, and the Hooligans <laughs> had one. All these groups, and that's how I knew them. I was like, oh, with, from the sticker, House right. of Pain had one. That sticker you could probably wow. buy now for hundreds of dollars. Yeah, and uh, and so I saw that album, and it was hand drawn. I still have it at home, and it was this Protect Your Neck thing. And I was like, well, I know they have the ad, and I know this art looks cool, so I just bought it for seven dollars or whatever it was, six dollars. And then I took it home and listened to it, and was like. Oh, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. No, I, like I off art on that one. Too. Off art. Oh, oh wow. Off no, but art. I'm saying, I'm saying, like I took it home and then it was like, holy shit, this is these records are incredible. That's the that's the ultimate thing that never happens when you see a cool album cover and never. you just buy it because of the cover. Never happens. But as I, good. Could, I could give you 15 ones that didn't work. <laughs> there was one called Max and Sam, who was Max Kellerman, the boxing announcer. Oh my Him god. Him and his brother Sam put out an album called Rumble. Uh, saw a 12 inch Rumble Young Man Rumble, which a uh, Muhammad Ali sample. And which is funny because he made a career in boxing announcing. And so I listen to it now and I'm like, oh, this isn't good. But I like the art so much. And they were white guys on the cover. So I was definitely going to buy that. Yeah. 
Um, well, this is before Source magazine and 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 stuff. The only yeah. the only way to get it was was records. Yeah, no rap and sheet. No, you had nothing to go off. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, did you like uh, Get Down? Did you like? Do you like seeing this renaissance of sort of? I actually, I actually didn't watch it just yeah. because I thought. Um, the documentary was on Netflix too, and that was so good. And it that, was good, and and that covered everything from the way that I saw it, and plus it added stuff that I didn't know. And yeah. I thought, uh, seeing actors kind of acted out, I'm not sure I was I was too interested. Yeah, in that. It's, but it's, 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 it's good. It's, well, it's fine. It's I mean, it's it's dramatic. It's the dramatic interpretation of the thing you know. I mean, yeah. and I think it's kind of cute at times, but that documentary was great. I thought it was really good. I thought it does some weird jumping at the end, but the one thing that I love in it is that it got released before the Africa Mabata problems. Do you know that there's issues going on? Nope. He has like a lot of pedophilic Oh, no, Jensen. I know. No, it's I'm walking bummer. off. I'm walking off the show. <laughs> it's a crazy oh, no. bummer. Uh, uh. Yeah, and so, you know, in the documentary, I think I was watching with someone I was dating, and I, I turned to her and I was like, uh, this is a bummer. And she's like, why? I was like, well, I'll tell you after his segment. And then I told her, and she's like, oh, fuck that guy. Like, it was like, <laughs> you really sell him as this beautiful teddy bear. And then at the end, you're like, oh, by the way, uh, there's like five boys who say he was uh, sexually assaulting You them. know, that's so horrible just because, I'll, well, of course, for the victims, not yes, just me and not my just you and your, reaction. And your tape collection. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that documentary enlightened to me about exactly how he fit in yeah. and how he was a community organizer and all that stuff. I know. Well, that's stuff. where the problems came, yeah. yeah. And so he... Yeah, yeah, he ran um, a community organization, and then he, in in the, in the documentary, you learn how he facilitated so many kids to learn how to play music. Right. And again, it's a great part of Which, the documentary until you it, hear the footnote. Yeah, and that the doc made me like him even more than yeah. I already did. You know what it is? It's he the hip hop. It. It's the hip hop version of being Elmo. Yes. Do you remember that movie? And then yeah. you found out he was like sexually assaulting ew, boys. Ew. Throw that documentary away. Put it in the fire. No good. No and good. we're not sponsored by Subway right no, now. No, but either. we could be. We we'll, could t- be. we'll take anything. Okay. <laughs> All right, uh, next track. Let's listen in. We're talking about masters of There we go. That One was of the greatest of all time. Grand Puma. Yeah. Yeah. And that was Masters of Ceremony when he was with the group. So it was uh, him and Don Barron mm-hmm. and Doctor Who. Yeah. And the crazy part about your tapes, too, and I, I think about this a lot, is that in pop punk and in rock and stuff, um, like a Travis Barker in Blink-182, like it's always funny to hear he was in the Aquabats and he was in, like you always hear about like people's origins in rock a lot more. Right. In hip hop, you never do. Uh-huh. Like you never hear that like... 
Tim Dog was in this or like or like you don't know where people started, but here it happens a lot. Like Grand Poopa was in Master Ceremony, uh, Fru Kwan was in Stesasonic. Uh, you know, it, it happened more than you think. Yeah, and this is a good and case of it where Grand Poopa just shows up as a guy in a group, and Jay, you know, Jay Z was in a group as well before he became Jay Z. Right, and that kind of stuff you, you don't would, hear about. You would think it would be more. You'd be more uh, proliferated because they say their names on the songs. <laughs> over and over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah the, uh, Grand Pooh Boss. So underrated. So underrated. I also love that they. this was so early in hip hop that you could name your group Masters of Ceremony. Yeah, still that early. It's like people who have like a four-letter Gmail address. Right. Or it's right. like a guy who's like at Steve on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. How did you get that? I, I was, was the early. first guy. I was the first guy in hip hop. I was the Tom of, uh, <laughs> of hip hop. I am still... It, Grand Pooba has an album uh, called 2000 that I can put on at any moment. And I can be just... At any uh, 37 years old, you could play it right now, and I would hear it. And I would be immediately in my mother's carpool mm-hmm. going to summer school in like ninth or 10th grade. Wow. Like immediately, I, I can hear it and just go, nope, and just like be in her car, <laughs> like in a weird, almost like Goldberg's flashback, right. where I'm just immediately in my, in my mom's backseat waiting to get to Agora High School. It's a time machine. Uh, what a great rapper. I mean, and, and, and the funny, like these tapes too, I was kind of losing my virginity at this time, <laughs> okay. so I always wonder like, is this why I love old school <laughs> hip hop so much? Did you ever, this is a good question, because- Number one, you only have sex to music really in those years because you yeah. don't like as an adult. You're not like, let me put on this album. Right, it it's distracting. Happen. It's distracting, yeah, yeah, yeah. and also like it shows some premeditation that you just don't want to be. Exactly, you know what I mean. It's a little, cre- but it's fine when you're a kid. Right. But I was so into hip hop, and if I was hooking up, I was going to be like, hold on and put on Das Effects Dead Serious because it's like that is not what she wants to hear. Right. So that's, that's, that's why I had like Aphrodisiac. exactly. So that's why I had Maxwell. That's why I had some records. But I'm wondering. If you're so into hip hop, do you still try to have sex to oh, like still now? <laughs> no, but like in ma- like masters of ceremony, great Pooba, <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, girl. Well, the thing was, it's like, boy, I don't know if I can tell these stories. I yes, um, we were in the back of my girlfriend's Buick. You know, we'd be parked outside of a like, you know, just in the middle of suburban New Jersey somewhere in a park or by a TGI Fridays. Yes. And that was one of the first times I ever heard, uh, milk is chilling. Oh, to audio Kids too. Milk is chilling. Like, we were in the back of the car. <sighs> Hooking up. Yes. And at one, any moment did you go, this song's real good. Like, did you, because that's a great yes. song. No, I was obsessed. Yeah. I would I would half be listening, even though it was the first steady I've ever <laughs> got in my life. That is a song. He has still made money off that song. They use it in everything. Yeah, but I mean, that is a, such a, I mean... You could argue that's top ten hip hop song. It could be. It's and so perfect. Also, like the way Giz is chilling. Yeah, it was chill. What more can I say? It's like, oh, and you know, people know it from Jay Z, and they know it from "I Get Money, Money right. I Got," which is yep. that Fifty Cent song. It just gets sampled over and over. It does, and the beat was unlike any other beat that had come before because it was that. Ding, ding, yeah, ding, and sparse. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, yeah. It's sparse, and he was barely finding the pocket. It was really cool. He went on Milk D the lead guy from Audio 2, went on to release an album on Rick Rubin's label on American. Um, and he had a song with Mike D, I think, or Ad-Rock. He had a song with one of the Beastie Boys on that album. Um, and it's two very high-pitched voices. Uh, it's oh, yeah. really good. It's it, That record is better than... I mean, no one talks about it, but that Milk record's pretty good. Yeah, I had the cassette of his whole album. I think it had one other kind of interesting song on it and then a lot of filler stuff. The the Rick Rubin record. No, the... Oh, the one before, Audio yeah, 2. Audio 2, oh, yeah. Yeah. Put, yeah, that's not a good record. <laughs> but that song is so good. Oh, God. Yeah. It's a total classic. Um 
All right, let's move on to the next track. Oh, that was Cool G Rap oh. and Polo. Yeah, that's that's it's a demo, right? It's a demo. It's a demo. I knew that one. Which is uh, funny because they, they used to complain, like, didn't LL Cool J have a thing where he's like, they called them demos? Yeah. But at this point, they're like, it is a demo. And this is a song. Well, number one, Cool G Rap is considered one of the forefathers and the blueprint of East Coast hip hop. So yes. if you and gangsta, I think he's a grandfather of gangsta stuff. Yeah, but Rikers Island. And yeah, absolutely. Stuff. But if you yeah. even ask Jay Z his top influences, he's going to say Cool G Rap. Right. Everyone. From that era, he Cool G Rap was one of the first guys, and not on this song because this is clearly a, a DJ Big Up song, which is the parks when you would basically rappers were created to be like DJ Polo's the best, and he's gonna kill it, and right. you know, uh, and that's what he's doing on this song. But Cool G Rap then a couple years later would become a guy who became almost a street teller and and found pockets and became sort of a smooth rapper, not like hardcore East Coast voice, hardcore East Coast lyrics. This isn't that, but but he kind of is considered one of the first uh, real lyricists yep. um, out of the East Coast scene. Yeah, yeah, because like uh, like you were saying earlier, that storytelling kind of yeah. Uh, rhythm, yeah. he he was kind of broke out of that where it sounds almost a little bit more conversational. A little Nas-esque, yeah, a little yeah. Nas-esque. That's where Nas got a lot of his stuff. And then also sex uh, stuff from Cool G Rap was always better than everyone else's sex lyrics. <laughs> yep. He was good at them. They were yeah. dirty and he was raw, but but he was good at them. I think that's why maybe the smooth stuff didn't catch on somewhat. People wanted that kind of raw. Yeah, that's what he wanted from him. Yeah, he talked like sex is his song too. He, he's he's just. Uh, I mean, he's a king, a pioneer. Totally. Yeah, and I love the way he says polo. He, yeah. he, he I love the way he says it's polo. Yeah, it's clearly polo. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I love that at no point polo was like, hold on, hold on. Can we take that back? He's saying my name wrong. Yeah, you're screwing up my brand, man. Yeah. I did you growing up? Did you have friends who were DJs? Uh, no, there was no the no, first. Happen. The first DJ I ever met was was just a guy in college who was from Queens who mm-hmm. had turntables in his room. Other than that, I just this was just all through the radio. Yeah, and I it I'm, seemed untouchable to you. Did it seem like something you could never do? Like, whoa, what are they like? I, I've never been good with equipment. Yeah, and I, and I always thought I'm going to turn this corner and really apply myself with equipment. Yeah, and to this day, I'm no good at it. Just so, always looking at the Radio Shack near your house. One day I might work there. Maybe. Well, not. <laughs> nah, I didn't want any jobs in audio, no. but I just thought maybe I'll. 
I'll be able to record this stuff. So me, it was always very lo-fi for me, uh, and I, I just, it was daunting. I mean, even when you hear the stories about uh, License to Ill with the Beastie Boys having to like spool yeah. the eight, real, yeah. the tapes around. So yeah, it just seemed like something I, I wouldn't be able to afford to. But do that's why someone like Rick Rubin was so instrumental in hip hop because he was both sides. Yes. he was like a weird audiophile, but also understood hip hop. Yes, and he was rare. a fan from outside, so <sighs> he had the perspective. Just the best. God bless you, Rick. For reals. Um, speaking of Rick and Def Jam, this next track will come on, and this was kind of a sea change right at the time, uh, sonically. And this and is all from one radio show. All from one show. One show. Here we go. Yeah. There we go. Jesus Christ. Public enemy. My Uzi weighs a ton. Jesus. What a song. Oh, and also, my... by the way, that still gets sampled. That People rap over oh, that. Yeah, today. yeah, yeah. Because it still sounds so sick and current. Yeah. Um, that one, too, they, uh, well, that you can just tell from the sound of it and the Bomb Squad production yep. and the buzzing. That was something that was never, never happened. ever. Now never you hear happened. it and you're like, run the jewels. And you, you, like, you hear a certain amount of aggressiveness in it that you can hear in music today. No, this was fucking new. That yes. had never happened. Yes. In the West Coast, we had very, and also in the East Coast, but on the West Coast, we had very smooth production and, and uh, Dr. Dre and, and, and these things that were going on in NWA. Uh, but then there were guys on the East Coast who were like, it was like pots and pans. It's noise. It's noise. Yes. And, and, and it was so revolutionary. And now there's, there's people like Organized Noise and, and, um, LP is a great, a great sort of bomb squad, uh, um, mentee um, but but now you hear it and it, it sounds normal to you but what you have to remember is that you were like what the fuck is this it, yes. it sounded like anthrax more than it did um, the rap you would know exactly and I remember getting the full body chills and the fridge oh. and sitting in my my girlfriend wasn't in the car at the time but it was her dad's Buick <laughs> yes, I was sitting so. in the driveway of their house and it was like it really felt like the second coming because yeah. me and my friends were so into music and so waiting for something new and exciting and it was crazy. I still get those chills when I hear it. This tape more than the other tape. This tape has a lot more seminal records mm-hmm. from from um, G Rap and then this. It's it, these these aren't obscure. These I mean they're, they're obscure now, but I mean these are jams. Like like um, a lot of people watched straight out of Compton and watched Ice Cube make that change from NWA and then going solo and not knowing really where to go and Brian Tucker signing him to this solo deal which you saw in the movie and then he goes and makes his own record and then you hear NWA hear No Vaseline for the first time and all that's because he went to the bomb squad 
So they, they moved him from L.A. They were like, get the fuck out of there. Like, you got to change your whole life. And they moved him to New York, and he just sat in with the bomb squad for a month or something. And that's where America's Most Wanted came from. I was going to say, is that how he wound up on the Terror Dome? Yeah, well, that's he became friends with, with Tank Shockley and all those guys. Um, and he didn't know where he was going to go. I mean, he only knew of Dre. So when the label said, well, why don't we give you a whole new sound and get you with these noise guys? And then that's that's what happened. And who would have known? Like, those are probably the two most important production teams of the entire era. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Dre and, and Bomb Squad uh, really are the two, almost the two polar opposites of the birth of gangster rap. Yep. Because you have you have this sort of relaxed 64 Impala cruise and roller skate music. Yep. And then you have these other guys who are just, it's like New York, it's like rats and sewers yeah, and, like and consciousness and construction noise, yeah, like things that Black just remind, Panthers. and Black Panther and yeah. X-Clan and things that just were like bubbling in New York at the time. And, and the two coasts were just so polar opposite when it came to hip hop. So opposite. And this stuff, uh, you've been to New York many, many times. Yes. This music makes more sense when you're in New York. The yeah. buildings are tall. It's claustrophobic. It's yeah, just, it's, it's perfect. It's, it's, it's paranoia rap. Yes. And that's what, that's what, LP has done so well with Run the Jewels, and um, I always joke that there's that Jaw Rule song, New York, uh-huh. which has him and Fat Joe and all these New people. York. Yeah, and it, by the way, it's a fucking banger. But if you listen to it here, you're sort of like, all right, that's cool. But if you listen to it in New York, you're like, I'm giving my life to this city. Right. You know, it's just yes. like it, New York hip hop for me, even growing, as I've lived in LA my entire life. But New York hip hop for me just has a different feeling. Yep. It's just different. For, it just it's I, I could say it's better because I just think that it represents a culture so strongly and so perfectly, and the and and and, and the state that created it, yes, the city the that created place. it, yeah, and it, the conditions that created oh, it, all that's that. The best. And uh, one of the things I liked about that last passage too is they would do that on the radio back then, where they would just constantly replay the same part, same you know, sample, and um, yeah. he would just bring it back and. I'm like you know i'd be listening to the radio I'd go wait is that is the same is this the same song like what's going on and they just were breaking so many rules it's juggling yeah and it was so they could show off their record juggling yeah and, and try to scratch and, and and you still but by the way still happening like when you listen to funk flex in new york or you listen to mr c or whatever they're still pulling one one line back over and over again yeah and it's and it started here yeah um all right, so that's that's the music. So, uh, oh, also uh, that that Public Enemy album, the first Public Enemy album was Is that Bum Rush the Show. Bum Rush the yeah, Show. Yeah, it's two months old at the time of this cassette. Oh, is stop made. it! So the, these are world premieres. I'm here. It's not like anything prepared you no. for this. No one and, was running out to get the the Bum Rush the Show album. No, no, that, no, that, no. that thing built. The first time I saw it, my friend it was Jeez. a guy from Philadelphia named Glenn. We called him Gigi. He he handed me the, it on cassette, and I see all those guys around the car. I didn't understand it because the idea of a rap group you know there was only two guys and a dj up yeah. to that point yeah so seeing all those guys and they're standing around the car and then to pop it in and my 98 and all that stuff yeah that stuff was uh hip-hop was already blowing my mind at how different it was from previous music yeah and then this took it leaps and bounds ahead well they looked they were like doing a production yeah like the, the fact that that chuck D saw it as more of like a performance art. That's yeah, how flavor DJ became. DJ yeah. collective, and they had a yeah. collective, and then they had they had dudes who were just soldiers that would just dance along to the yeah. music. Like he was seeing it as like a larger picture, and and obviously Russell Simmons and and Rick knew what they were in for with them. But like he was political, but they also had sort of a court jester in the group with, well, with the flavor. Most Very amazing weird. dynamic. Supposedly ever. they're working on a movie. 
Oh, really? That's what I've heard. What, like just a documentary? Mm-hmm. No, a, uh, like a narrative, like a straight out of Compton for Public oh, Enemy. Okay. I'm Which, more of a doc guy. I just kind of <laughs> like to see the actual footage and What's stuff. What's the best hip hop doc? Um, uh, well, I, uh, I just mean in general. I like the uh, Jay Z one, Fade to Black. Yeah, oh, that's great. That's the see one where him. you see him record Third off with Rod, Rod, all of them, and he never writes anything down. Yeah, you yeah. see that all happen uh, there. So great. The show was really good. Isn't that the one that made? Um, that's the one that made Timbaland lose weight. Yeah, well, because yeah. he looked so fat and was drinking a quart of milk in it. <laughs> <laughs> I also like that he was like, I don't know why I'm gaining weight as he drinks a quart of milk. Yeah, in uh, just one sitting. Google uh, it. Yeah did you did you see the show back then? Was that a thing for you? What show? The sh- it's called the show. It was oh yeah, the show. The documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it. Like was that like? Because I would watch any like. There was a pay per view special when I was in junior high or beginning high school, um, where you got to see like fifty artists at a night in New York, like Onyx and at the was time a live show. Yeah, and you oh, had wow. to pay per view it and you'd watch it. And like I saw Big Pun there for the first time, um, and and Fat Joe. It was it was actually Fat Joe and Big Pun was the hype man that night. And then like you know DOS effects and a bunch of people would Lords of the Underground I think were even on that show. Um, and I watched that, but did you like, if you ever had the opportunity to see it live, were you also jumping on it? Oh, to go see rap live? Yeah. Uh, yeah in Baltimore in 80, I guess probably 87, mm-hmm. Fresh Fest. Um, oh, you went to that? Yes. Holy so shit. it was, um, you know, Eric B and Rakim, Ice-T did Let's Get Butt Naked and yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And, um, uh, Dougie Fresh. And you went with your friends? Yeah, I just went with my friend, and we're the only white people. Yeah, and then one time I, I went to see it, uh, City Gardens in Trenton, where John Stewart was a bartender. Went to see Public Enemy. <laughs> really? And, yeah, and uh, we, yeah, we're the only white people there. And yeah, they did a real short, like forty-minute show. One of them was sick or something. Well, yeah, I was telling because I saw Wu Tang this week. They played at the Palladium, and yes, I was telling so cool. uh, my friend who I went with, uh, Aaron. I was telling her like. Uh, my history with live hip hop is crazy because, like, I saw Biggie at the sports arena. Like, I saw, oh. I, you know, I was, I saw Pun, Biggie brought Pun out here and Raekwon out here. And I saw Wu Tang's first LA show at CSUN at, at Cal State Northridge. Um, oh, what? They played there? Yeah. They wow. played for the student union. It was uh, just a couple, just the singles were out. Right. And, and it was, uh, and so someone came out. I, I love this. I, I tried to get Meth to remember and he really couldn't. But so we go to CSUN, we skip school. Um, which we didn't do much. Skipping school like wasn't really a big thing at because we also are in Calabasas. So if we skip school, we just go home. Right, like, where are you going to go? So we skipped and and hot. someone drove us to CSUN, which was incredible. And uh, so we're out there at the student union. There was probably a couple, maybe two hundred people there. That's it, just to see Wu Tang first time there in LA. Um, they had just moved to the uh, Oakwoods to do their whole album, mm-hmm. so they lived here. And uh, so we are waiting for them. Oakwoods being the um, apartments that are in love, the Netflix special that they're referencing. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. They're on the door. But they're used for anybody from out of town that, who has nowhere to live, yeah, but it's doing work. Yeah, yeah, fully furnished. I, I lived apartments. there for a while. There you go. Yeah. And so uh, so a guy comes out. They're about 30 minutes late. And a guy comes out and he goes, yo, guys, I'm, I'm the head of the student union. Jeff, you know. I'm so sorry. I don't know what to tell you guys. Wu Tang is not here, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" And I'm like, "We skip school. We like this is so stupid." Mm. And so we start to walk away, and he's like, "I'm so sorry. I don't, I'm, we're going to try to make it up." And then he's like, "Because they're all at the dentist right now, and I don't know when they're going to be done with the dentist." And I was like, "What is this?" And kids are getting in their car and leaving, and I was like, "What's happening?" And then and then we just heard Stove of Shaolin, and I was like, "Oh my god, they're here. This is a bit." <laughs> and I like turned back, and the kid Jeff got off stage, and all of the members they all just ran out. Was, did they know he was going to say yes, that? Yes, it was all a bit. They, they said, say we're at the, the dentist? dentist. Well, because I think because the gold fronts were becoming such a thing, ah. I think. And I think they were joking. 
like in a cute way of being like, well, that's what we would do when we get a lot of money. And 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 when I saw Odd Future for the first time, it felt similar. It was like, and I know that that hasn't paid off the way we want it to be, <laughs> but like it felt like a bunch of people in on a joke. Right. And, and here we go. And and I I saw them live for the first time just there. young and goofing around yeah and then they did a great bit and then I we all uh, people ran back like holy shit they're here and I got to see Old Dirty a bunch of times because oh, of that and, and uh, yeah. I mean it was a live hip hop for me from Camp Low when I was younger to Tribe I loved Camp Low Tribe at Smoking Grooves mm-hmm. um, you know Camp Low just put out a new album yeah, that I, is demos and remasterings from oh I didn't know it was old stuff yeah all oh, old okay. stuff I listened to that it's great um and like the experience of being able to go to those shows in the Far Side and Souls of Mischief and oh, P- Free Self Fellowship and, and people that I was able to see here in LA, um, it's it was a different experience. It was just different. It, it, you 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 were like you all knew about something. You didn't learn mm-hmm. about it because of a Spotify playlist. You went out of your oh, way. Yeah. You went out of your way to figure out why you know this was so important this was important yeah. yeah and why chino excel meant something to you and why you need to see him when he came to la or why raekwon coming to la alone was a big deal like these things were were and you know uh, it was a big deal it's and i, I wish deal. people could still experience that to find a record Me, and follow them i i was i wish there was some kind of virtual reality experience <laughs> where they could get used get you used to the way everything sounded before hip hop and then put on like public enemy yeah. and you could get it yeah cuz you watched that transition Absolutely right in front of you. Yeah, and it was exciting stuff. Okay, so let's now go on to... Um, I I pulled the, the commercials yes. and, the, and the promos and stuff. So I think we're going to start with some um, some DJ uh, promos, and then uh, I'll tell you, we'll tell you about them. Yo, I'm Special K, the awesome too. And I'm DJ Teddy Ted. And we want you to listen to DJ Chuck Chillout, because he's waxing New York City live. Yo, I'm DJ Scholar Rock. Me and my partner, KS1, make up the Boogie Down Production Crew. Every Friday night, I listen to 98.7 KISS FM. My main man, DJ Chuck Chillout, New York City's number one turntable overlord. Yo, yo Chuck, turn it up for me, will you? Yo, yo, what's up, Chillout? There you go. You're so. the only person that has that. Yeah, you have to be. Gotta be. Yeah. A Scott LaRock drop for Chuck Chillout. And he was murdered yeah. tragically. Soon after. Soon after, like a few months after that. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. There's no way anyone has that. Did you watch the... I thought of another documentary that's so good. Did you watch the Stretch of Bobito doc? Nope. You're going to love it. Yeah? It's incredible. It's all early 90s Pharaoh Munch, Busta Rhymes, Red Man walking up to the radio show, to the Bobito and Stretch show. But there is, in that um, in that special, there are people who are collecting dub tapes. Um, but oh, yeah. more 90s, though. You have earlier than what they're doing. Right on. But that's where like the Big L freestyle happened with Biggie and Jay-Z, like Jay-Z and Big L back yep. to back. Yeah, that yeah. happened on the Stretch and Bobito show. Right. Um, so it's a documentary that shows that radio show, but this th- that's insane. This stuff, yeah. Uh, I remember him. I remember hearing about him dying, and then it blew me away, like how young they were. Because yeah. to me, these seem like these full, 
they did adult especially men. that cover yeah yeah and there he was like 25 or something like that yeah uh before that was uh special k yeah. and teddy ted from the awesome two awesome two yeah and then i uh, forgot the special k was in the awesome two daddy oh yeah yeah and then but the, the, those promos were for uh it wasn't for mr it was mr. Chuck magic chill it was chuck chill out yeah the re- those are competing shows yeah. but i would you know i'd flip the dial so if one was on commercials i would tape the other one yeah and people with krs1 you know his original group boogie down productions when they first came out by any means necessary like they were a violent group uh pretty much yeah it a street My, street group yep. and then the second the other member of the group scott was murdered uh, and then krs became what you know him as now which is sort of this like temple of growth and uh, yeah, teacher. Teacher. Philosopher. Um, yeah. yeah. On the wrong side of history on the Africa Mabata story, by the way. I think he came out and defended him. Oh, really? Yeah. Bummer. Uh, but but yeah, KRS became this sort of like enlightened man after the death of uh, of his best friend. Yeah. Which is, I th- I don't remember what that beef was about. I don't know if he- The Scott LaRock thing? Yeah, I don't remember why he got a, shot. I think it was a neighborhood thing. Just I don't think it was hip hop related. Beef. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they were crazy too. What, why would a group be called Boogie Down Productions? That sounds like a production company. It does sounds like a, like a Valley Porno company. Yeah, yeah. There, was, there was no rules. No. Okay, so now let's get into the uh, commercials. These are hilarious, Not and the they're best. they're let's let's hear what the first one is. Everybody who participated in this year's Kiss FM Budweiser Showdown competition. Now it's time for the regional finals, and we're wishing the best of luck to Awesome from the Bronx, this year's New York area winner, and the runner-up, the Hotliners from Queens. Both groups have the chance to go on to the national finals and become the grand prize winners in the 1987 Kiss Budweiser Showdown. <laughs> Have you, uh, hang on. Yeah. Ha, ha, how is have that you heard good? any of those groups? No, never. Okay. They didn't get huge. Huh? No. That's how, weird. How, also, <laughs> how is that hip hop influenced radio commercial? Like, you know how like you usually get a commercial that plays to who's listening? It sounds like it. Yeah, but that, that's the early days. There's no one listening. Yeah, no, they didn't that, know what the audience was. Because and, and that's what radio sounded like. Yeah. So, oh, these new hip hop guys are doing a contest oh. and just plug that right into it. It's so bad. It's bad. anheuser Bud. Yeah, and uh, that's the way everything was just uh, like Ashford and Simpson, R&B. That's what was ruling the airwaves. And that voice, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a crazy day for you. We got Rolls Royce coming up with their great hit Car Wash. (laughs) Car Wash. And we've got uh, a couple other big groups. We got Hall & Oates. We're going to play a couple Hall & Oates records. We're going to play we're going to play Gloria Gaynor. You guys know Gloria's big hit. We got a new one from her. It's just like the most cheese dick white guy voice. Complete cheese dick. Those guys were not breaking ground. So to hear Public Enemy on the same show as that kind of stuff it was yeah. crazy oh I don't I mean, think of the racist shit those white guys used to say as they left the studio yeah just like oh it's rap time just imagine oh, these fucking guys um, okay so yeah let's do the next commercial <laughs> Bowie fake Bowie shit <laughs> Duran Duran yeah 
It should just say girls on film yeah. in it in the middle. Fashion jeans. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. Ladies, this Friday be at the Copacabana for the Broadway Transfer Girl Poster Contest. What? Your chance to win a $1,000 modeling portfolio or $100 in Broadway Transfer jeans. $100 in jeans? Yeah. Two pairs? Uh, yeah, probably. This is crazy. Yeah, the Tropicana. On a hot body contest, get yourself a, a modeling contract with a guy named Sal and a hundred dollars worth of jeans. A hundred dollars worth of jeans. Dollars worth. Back then, the commercials were more exploitive of women than the hip hop was. <laughs> <The> actual music. <laughs> KRS One seemed like an educator. Yeah. Then you got another guy who's like, "Bring your titties out. We're going to be at the Cabana." It's like, what Friday, are you doing? Come on. Oh, that's a great one. That yeah, is so and then crazy. the the music too is uh, like. They just like hire a cousin to do the yeah. tune, and he my, uh, was feeling my, yeah. a Bowie thing. My friend Vince will come in. He can kill it. He plays the sax. Yeah, he does exactly like a like a cool man eater solo. Yeah, and I guess like in excess and bands like that were big then, but th- that's not even a, a direct influence. That but. was just bonkos. Did you ever go to any of those kind of like clubs there? Um, I mean, I knew they existed. Oh, like the, the like Cabana. the Latin, oh, yeah, Latin, Latin quarter, Latin quarter. No, I didn't go. No. No. I just we. I went to Danceateria where you. Oh see yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, hip hop. Search took me to uh, to the Jamaican, like uh, to the to the quarters. Oh yeah, he took me there when I first started to get my record deal, and that must be- have been exciting. Oh my god, it was insane. It yeah. was it was beautiful. Like yeah. MC Search to walk me through and show me where he would rap and and all those things, and then. Uh, he was just sort of giving me the history of how third base came together because he knew I was such a fan, and I guess he assumed later in life I'd have to be a dumb historian of hip hop. But he <laughs> he uh, he would show me these things and the French Quarter. It's like all these things that were happening around New York. It's dancing and and all this. Yeah, the Palladium. Yeah, the Palladium and and uh, you know the swap meet stuff where they would get like their crews airbrushed on a shirt or mm-hmm. embroidered hats or whatever. I mean, he that was would, me that would happen so much in Times Square too, where like Friday night. Um, guys would just come and basically hang sheets yeah. on the fence and it would be something that was spray painted and then people would come by and pay them to take pictures in front of in it. In front of it? Yeah. Like a step and repeat. Yes. Like and a, it, but really? they would be all up and down the street. So give me an example of what was on the sheet. Uh, like, you know, the, like Gucci logo or something oh, yeah? like that or just but it wasn't money like, and it stuff. it wasn't like Latin Kings or something. It would be like... No, no. It, was, it wasn't like gangs and stuff. Okay. It was more just like the couples. Background. Like crews would come through or a guy with his girl on Friday night. Jeez. Was there like one of like the Statue of Liberty? Like a, like a... Probably. Yeah. So it was like, it was just like, um, like a background for you to take a photo with. Yes. And I'm the idiot who didn't take any pictures. Oh, I would die. I'd make a, <laughs> I'd make a sheet of your sheet one. Yeah. Like I would take the photo of you in a sheet then make a sheet of that one so people could take a picture of it. It was, I mean, I, I just think of all the stuff I could have documented. Just the sheep, just the sheepskin hats oh. with the tails behind them. Yes. I mean, you would see hundreds of them a day. God. Goggles, yeah, Kangol, and uh, so great. many good outfits. Um, okay, let's hear another commercial. Fox Broadcasting takes excitement to the limits. T minus three, two, one, ignition. They're the cops of 21 Jump Street. It's up to you guys. You are the best. They may look like kids, but they're an elite undercover squad targeting crime in our schools. About eight million kids at that school. Yeah, well, there's eight million and one now. Undercover is their method. Success is the only possible outcome. We have some excruciatingly bad news for you. You're under arrest. High school heat. 
21 Jump Street. Then... Hi, Peggy. Uh, Al, I hope we're not interrupting anything. To the Bundys. They're married with children. What are they doing here? They're the neighborhood watch. I invited them. When crime in the streets enters their homes, who can protect the loving neighbors? A dog. A vicious dog. With sharp teeth that'll go through a jugular like a hot knife cutting through butter on a warm summer night. But this dog will meet his match when he meets the Bundys. They're married with children. Watch 21 Jump Street at 7 p.m. Married with Children at 8 p.m. Sunday on Fox Channel 5. Their little Jesus. Fox block. Unbelievable. And John, it must have been pretty early in the Bundys because it was like they had to explain who the family was. It yeah. wasn't quite the juggernaut it became. Yeah, they, they didn't predate hip-hop, I don't think. No. And, no, because uh, did David Faustino was oh, a yeah. pioneer of West Coast hip-hop here. Right, yeah. yeah. And uh, and then you heard Johnny Depp on the uh, 21 Jump Street commercial right. before that. Watch 21 Jump Street at 7 p.m. And then the Bundys learn what a dog is at 8. <laughs> it's like, all right, man. The Bundys' neighbor gets crazy on a dog. You know this predates In Living Color, right? Yeah. Yeah, by not much, though. Yeah, not much. No. It was coming. That's was a hip-hop. That's one of the most hip-hop-influenced TV shows. One of the first real ones. Yeah. As far as, like, hip-hop culture coming directly into into television. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And then, well, Fresh Prince. I think this predates Fresh oh, Prince, yeah, too. by a decent amount. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we've got... Another commercial. You're a liar. I swear to you, I didn't go out with him. I saw you with my own two eyes. It wasn't me. All I know is that he was wearing a black leather jacket and she was wearing orange Converse high tops. So? With pink laces. Oh. Just like the ones I gave you. Look, it wasn't really a date. Hey, Julie, take a walk. Converse All-Stars, take a walk. Hey, Roger. Yes, Uncle Ned. Now that you're graduating, let me give you some advice. First, invest in a blue blazer. If you want to get ahead, appearance is important. And the earring, Roger, the earring has got to go. And about those purple shoes. You mean my Converse huh. All-Stars? Whatever. Buy yourself a pair of wingtips or something. Uncle Ned. Yes, Roger? Can I say one thing? Of course you can. Take a walk. Converse All-Stars. <laughs> oh. The classic canvas high tops in black, white, and nine fashion colors. Take a walk. Uh, by the way, was that the bridge coming in? Yeah, exactly. Oh, nice. A good ear. That's crazy. Just, all he needed was a snare drum. I did. All he needed was a snare. Um, I will say that it's funny that Converse put that commercial on during the hip-hop hour. They actually were directly trying to get that audience a little bit, but trying to be the counterculture shoe. Yeah, yeah, Converse yeah. Converse All-Stars were like the most white NBA shoes you could ever wear. Yes. Like Gail and, Goodrich wore And them. this was before anybody was wearing them on the West Coast. Oh, or, yeah, by yeah. Far, yeah. This is predates it by a lot. Yeah, and yeah. I, I also think that the same guy who was doing the uh, Converse, Take a Walk, yeah. I think he was the same guy kind of playing the uh, Light in the Loafers oh, uncle oh, on that one. Hey, Ned, Uncle Ned, <laughs> yeah. oh, you got to get yourself some wingtips, And he's like, I don't like that earring. Yeah, yeah. the counterculture Converse. Yeah. The real punks had Converse, all-stars, Chucks. Chucks. Chuck Taylor, the face of renegades. Yep. Rebellious Chuck Taylor. You could stomp somebody in your Chucks. What was Chuck Taylor's history? I don't know if I know that answer. I, I don't know either. I'm going to look that up. I don't know who. I don't really know where that, where he came from. I guess I would assume he was, was he a designer? Hmm. Let's do find not, out. Don't know. He is, uh, let's see, Chuck Taylor's. Chuck Hollis, Chuck Taylor was, oh, no, he was an American basketball player. So, yeah. I mean, okay. the whitest of all whites. I guess in those shoes, he wasn't dunking much. No. He was also a shoe salesman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that happens. Hey, that wraps us right up with Al Bundy. Yeah. 
Hey, so uh, that is the end of the uh, program. Yes. Jensen, I want to thank you again for coming by. Oh, my I, I, it's my favorite I, thing in the world. I, I always think I know so much about hip-hop until I start talking to you. You're, well, you are a true uh, museum Thank you. Hip-hop. In five more years, I I mean, whatever you want to do these, I will I will show up. Well, these we are have my a, favorite We things. have a bunch more from 87, so if you'd like to do some more this year, we can 100% do it. 100% in. And also, if people like hip-hop and like what they're hearing, I have a television show that debuts in just a few weeks on May 2nd on TBS. It's a show I created a alongside James Corden and Ben Winston. And uh, basically, I teach celebrities uh, how to rap battle, and then they face each other. It's fantastic uh, And idea. it's hosted by Method Man and uh, Haley Baldwin and DJ Newmark from Jurassic 5. Oh, wow. And I have put tons of Easter eggs for those who love hip-hop. I made this show, and Ben and James have trusted me to make it a credible hip-hop show where Jesse Tyler Ferguson will rap battle against someone. But I have put as much... <laughs> they don't battle rappers, they battle each other. Ce- celebs. Celebs battle each other with harsh shit. Like, and, we we do not pull punches. And um, did they, do they help write the stuff? They do, yeah, in a lot of cases. Yeah, they, they give um, input. Uh, we did one with David Schwimmer on The Late Late Show, and he wrote most of his own lyrics, and he was really good. Uh, and we are learning who can rap, and it's really fun. It's It's been a really great... Ex- I mean, clearly, being executive producer is a fun experience for me, but it also teaching everybody what's respectful and what we can do and still have fun and make an entertainment show has been a great challenge because as someone who doesn't want to see my favorite art form get shit on, I'm really excited because I don't think we do anything. I think it's just fun. Me too. And I'm glad that show's in good hands. Yes, yeah. I feel good about that. Yeah, I, 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 this in another person's hands or other people's hands could have just been like, you know, we I will never allow, like I, my first thing when I went to James Corden and had this idea was never does anyone wear a gold chain, never does anyone wear gold teeth, never right. does anyone don't wear... Don't make fun of those Be yourself. And both right. ways, those conventions don't exist anymore. Yes. Those conventions, you're, you're wearing a but Halloween costume. But making fun of them still does, which is so, so dumb and so yeah. white. It's, and it always happens. You always hear another one. My name is blank, and I'm here to say, yeah. if I can be involved in crushing that like stereotype trope about hip hop, and also the like, oh, you rap? It's like no one's beatbox, dude. Like that's not even a thing anymore. Like let's just have fun, right? And let's make a just, battle rap. Uh, yeah. yeah, let's just be fans of it and enjoy it. Yes, and I'm ready to do that. Well, fantastic. Uh, again, the show is? Uh, it's called uh, Drop the Mic. It, it debuts on uh, May 2nd on TBS, uh, I believe at 1030. And uh, also the same day on May 2nd, the paperback version of my book, Kanye West Owes Me $300, which explains why I know so much about hip hop and my history in it. Uh, it's a paperback with a brand new chapter. And I think it's like 15 bucks or $13 or something, $10. It's so cheap. Just go, you know, Pick I it think up. you'll like Amazon? it. Yeah. yeah, anywhere. Yeah, anywhere books are sold. Fantastic. Yes. Uh, and listen to my other podcast, Who yes, Charted Who on Charted. Earwolf. We count down the top five in music, uh, movies, and more. The greatest. And uh, also, Hey Gang, it's a solo podcast I do. And then The Headshot Show. Every Wednesday night, we sell old comedians' headshots in a uh, home shopping club format on shopxsn.com. Jensen, thanks again. I also want to thank Dustin Marshall, man extraordinaire, Feral Audio. And I will see you again on the next Hip Hop Cassette We did it, guys. Yeah.